Welcome to another episode of the Talking Payroll podcast. My name is Tracy Angwin, and today I speak to Matt Paff from Value Adders. Matt has been in the payroll industry most of his working life, and there's very few people that know more about payroll technology and really the future of payroll technology, where it's going and what to expect. Matt's currently a business consultant at Value Adders. He's a non-executive director. He's a presenter, having uh, presented at the APA conferences a couple of times. He's a prolific blogger and, as I said, chief value adder at business consultancy uh, Value Adder. I had a great time talking to Matt. He is uh, prolific with his views on payroll technology. If you are vaguely interested in how to maximise your payroll technology or where payroll technology is going in the future, uh, you can't miss this episode. Enjoy this chat with Matt. So, Matt, thank you uh, for joining me today on the Talking Payroll podcast. Thanks, Trace. Really excited to be here. Congratulations on getting this up and running. Oh, that's right. It's 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 taken a while, Matt, but um, you know, you, good things come to those who wait. I'm re- I'm really uh, grateful for your time because I know that uh, you're a, you're a busy guy. You do you many many things, and we've known each other for many years now. And I've watched your career um, over those over that time as a as a business owner to uh, you know an executive uh, back to a business owner now to a you know non-executive director. But what I'd really be keen to know is how did you get into payroll? Uh, look, it's 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 a bit of a, a backstory. I um, finished school and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I thought if I went and did a business degree, that gives me options. Went and did a business degree, didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, Travelled the world for a year. Got back to um, Sydney the day the Olympics started. Didn't really know what I wanted to do, but um, hung around for the Olympics. And then the day the Paralympics finished, I got a job from an ad in the City Morning Herald at a accounting and payroll software company called Attaché. Uh, I started as the um, export manager's assistant, basically, um, doing marketing into overseas markets where Attaché at the time was strong, like South Africa, Papua New Guinea and the Pacific Islands. And then effectively my role evolved over the next few years where I grew into becoming the national channel manager for Attaché. And then by about 2005, I left Attaché to to start my own um, implementation support business. And to be honest, I I really focused on payroll because uh, I I found it to be um, uh, one of those things that people think is more complicated than it really is uh, without, you know, getting too deep into it. I, I think there is certain ways that you can approach payroll and, and be consistent about it. And, and I found being able to get a client up and running, implemented and, and run with it was much easier than, than the breadth of a ERP system implementation. So I really focused around payroll and, yeah, basically been in and around the payroll industry ever since. So, um, yeah, that's, that's my backstory. It's really interesting that you say that um, payroll is, you know, people think payroll is more complicated than it is. I find that there's a real uh, disconnect with, with that and also some people outside of payroll not understanding how complicated it really is. So I think the thing is it's how do you make something that is actually quite complex simple? There's another element too, Trace. If, if, if you stuff up a journal entry in your accounting system, it doesn't really matter. If a supplier doesn't get paid today, they can get paid tomorrow. 
if you don't pay an employee properly today, there are consequences on their lives. Uh, I had a situation where uh, I had a client where a competitor had tried to install a software system, had failed, and a couple of the staff members had missed their mortgage payments. And effectively, the banks were chasing them because the mortgage payments and, and the impact on the employees was enormous and that had a massive impact on the culture of the organisation. And that's without me mentioning, dare I say, Queensland Health or Auckland Health and the other things that have happened since. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's one of those things that the consequences of mistakes are so great. And yes, it can be quite complicated, but everything, uh, there's no guesswork. Everything actually follows, if you get the rules and, 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 and the regulations right, everything follows logic. Um, and, and, you know, there's always call the APA if you're not quite sure. Well, that's it. Um, you, the thing I like about payroll is that there is actually a right yep. and a wrong answer. Um, and, and I enjoy that too. I mean, you're, you've become really um, our payroll industry yeah. futurist, really, and, and you love to make predictions about the industry. I, you know, when it comes especially to, you know, technology and, and payroll technology suppliers, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed in 2015, you spoke at the Australian Payroll Association conference about changes you predicted for the payroll profession. How did you see those changes playing out, especially in the areas of, you know, mobile, automation, biorecognition, that kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, well, look, it's interesting. I was reflecting on uh, back on, on that presentation. I actually wrote a blog on it um, before we sort of joined today. And, and uh, there's a couple of things that I, I predicted would happen that have definitely played out, um, which is the maturing of the online applications has really started to kick in. But I, I do say that with a, an asterisk, that it, it, it's happening at different speeds at the different levels of the market. Um, the, the small business end of the market has really adopted cloud off the back of payroll often being attached to the accounting system, um, far more than the mid-market or the enterprise end. And, and so what you've seen in the last few years is, is products um, certainly targeting the small business end of the market are actually far more advanced in, in their move to you know, modern technology than I think some of the, the enterprise level solutions. And, and what's starting to happen is you're starting to see um, some new plays like a, a, a Flare, um, Flare HR, who now have Flare Pay, a, a Key Pay, uh, Cloud Payroll, uh, Found You. There's, there's a whole heap of new players that really didn't exist going back five, ten years ago, but the reason they exist today is because their adoption of the cloud. And, and uh, I guess the thing that I foresaw was that it's really hard to start again when you've got an installed client base. You, you, you've got to try and... Um, revolution doesn't work. Evolution works when it comes to technology. And it's really hard. I used to, you know, ultimately, part of the story I missed in my backstory, I ended up being the general manager at Attaché. And I had big dreams of where I wanted to take the solution. But in a way, you're held back by your existing customer base and partner channel because they, they're not comfortable with revolution, as I said. And so that's where newer players like the zeros of the world have been able to come in and unseat MYOB. Um, and as I said, Players like KeyPay are really coming in and, and disrupting the market. And the reason they've been able to do that is because they have no legacy. They have no um, customers to upset by moving forward and, and, and things like that. So um, 
coming back to you know the, the where I see the future and, and, and what's playing out, the, the, the absolute thing that's playing out is the convergence across the entire sector that I, I'll call workforce solutions. Um, we, we've had these sub-segments that have existed over many, many years from pre-employment through recruitment onto onboarding, um, performance management, uh, general HRIS, payroll, um, all this sort of thing have been almost disparate industries. They're, they're basically, there's been key players in each. You know, you, you look at the, the likes of rostering, the, the, the likes of Time Target, and these guys have really owned the, the rostering space. And then you look at payroll, and it's been a Sage, Micropay, and Attaché Payroll. These sort of companies have been dominant in, in their own space, but they haven't really historically got outside of that. And then along comes, you know, what's happening these days, and you get products like KeyPay, which is a payroll solution that also does rostering and time and attendance. You get FoundU, which is doing payroll and HRIS. And then you actually start to look broader in the market and you get Elmo's and pretty much everybody is going through this unified platform play. Everybody you talk to says, oh yeah, we're the most comprehensive HCM product on the market. And, and some of them are white labeling the KeyPay solution, like the, the employment heroes of the world, their payroll is, 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 is KeyPay. But there's others who um, basically have gone and built this, this or, or acquired, in Elmo's case, this, this, this race to the unified platform. And that's something I, I did foresee a, a, a few years ago, and I, I continue to foresee it playing out. Where I actually see it continuing to go is where do you stop? Um, when I look at the successful business platforms out there at the moment in the world, it's Salesforce, it's NetSuite, it's Microsoft Dynamics. Um, these guys are building unified platforms that not only cover the workforce solution space, they, they branch out into ERP and accounting and um, CRM. And effectively, you, you're getting these ecosystems that exist inside of those, those, those bigger systems. So for example, Sage, the new Sage People product, it exists inside of uh, Salesforce. And, and you get products like Infinite Cloud Payroll, which exist inside of NetSuite. So uh, what, I, what I predict is I continue to see this, this unified business platform evolving. At the moment, there's a race towards the HCM unified platform. I don't think it's long before you really start to see people looking at a more holistic view, which is CRM, finance, etc. Now, coming back to further parts of your question around mobile and these sorts of things, certainly getting back to my point about it's happening at different speeds in the relative different segments of the market, small businesses adopted mobile, no doubt. Um, I mentioned products like KeyPay, they, they have their, their work zone app and people are using that to log timesheets, to apply for leave and do all those sorts of things. Um, at the top end of town, the likes of SAP SuccessFactors, uh, Taleo from Oracle, these guys are getting there with these sorts of things, but their penetration is probably not where the penetration in the small business market is because of uh, a slower adoption rate at the cloud. So ultimately, yes, the, things are continuing to evolve. Um, it's, it's, it, biometrics is actually, funnily enough, um, it's there, it's been there for years, but I'm seeing a lot more of the GPS locations on a mobile phone. Why do I need to look at a biometric when I can know the, the coordinates of your mobile phone so I know where you are? Particularly if I've got you know, multiple branches or I'm, I'm in a healthcare industry where people go from client to client. So. I love the I love the potential of GPS with totally. payroll and, and um, it, look, time it's starting recording. to happen. Uh, you, you, I, I, I've had.
had chats with the guys at Deputy and, and, and others where, where that is really um, where they see, you know, these, these geolocation ring fencing and, and, and terms like that are being used. And um, it's pretty exciting because, mm. you know, it's, our mobile phones have become an extension of ourselves. They do our thinking for us. They, they manage our days. They, they're actually an extension of our brain. So um, it makes logical sense that, you know, ultimately they could replace a biometric. Um, so, yeah. Exactly. I remember when I first started in this industry, it was about, and this was about 1994, a, uh, a, a clock on the wall that you could uh, take your barcode swipe um, card. It was about $3,000, which is a huge amount of money back then. And now everyone walks around with a mobile phone. And, you know, sometimes um, I speak to HR people and they say, oh, really, you know, we're so reliant on the mobile phone. And I say, well, go ask your workforce, when was the last time that they their mobile phone was more than three metres away from their body for more than 20 minutes? Um, it's a changing market in which we operate. Uh, the majority of the workforce only recently has switched over to being the millennials, uh, the Gen Ys. You know that they now make up the majority of the workforce. Yeah, right. um, and so you have a generation of employees who don't know anything different. They grew up with the mobile phone since they were 13. They've carried around a mobile phone. They've done internet banking. They, they've trusted apps that they, you know, they've just downloaded with personal data and, and that's just what they're used to. And so we, you know, we have a generation of payroll managers and others who, who aren't of that generation, who probably aren't sort of fully conscious of the expectation. I, I remember something a couple of years ago, I was having arguments with people about emailing payslips and, and people would say, oh, none of my employees have email addresses. Well, the stat, yeah, the, the stat, Five years ago, it was 97% of Australians had an email address or something similar to that. You know, it, it was a ridiculous argument that people would have, but they were taking it from their own perspective and, and not actually looking at the realities of where things have gotten to. And then the reality is, we now live in a society that that, that use mobile phones. That, and this is actually something that I very much predicted going back to to, to the talk at the conference. Um, we've shifted the technology from being all about the payroll officer and actually being about the employee experience. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the payroll officer is one person in the company. That payroll officer, and I've been to organisations where there's one payroll officer for 3,000 staff, who cares if it takes that payroll officer an extra hour to do something if that means that 3,000 staff have a better experience? And, and, and the software developers took a long time to come to that, that, that realisation that the, the actual... Um, the, the, the consumer of their product, yes, is the payroll person, but it's, it's as much about the employee as anything else. And, and, and that's where you've seen the rise of the likes of Flair and Employment Hero, where they've actually taken that to the extreme and they've, they've actually identified that that's where they can monetize that there's yeah, far absolutely. more employees and payroll officers, so we can actually reduce the cost of the software. And, and I, I actually looked to the US, and there's a couple of companies in the US that have really led this way. A company called Gusto, um, used to be called Zen Payroll. Uh, they, mm -hmm. they have talked about this employee-centric focus for many years, and, and I've really followed what Joshua Reeve, the, the, the founder there, um, talks about. And then the, the employment heroes and the flares of the world practically are just copying a model um, invented by a company called Zenefits out of the US. And Zenefits have had their troubles. 
And, and That's a free payroll system, right? Yeah, ultimately it's a free payroll system which is monetized on brokerage of services to the employee. Sure. And brokerage of things like workers' compensation insurance. So rather than paying an annual um, workers' compensation bill in advance and then having it tidy up at the end of the year, effectively what they do is they go month to month comp, um, workers' comp insurance based on your actual payroll. Now that hasn't popped up here in Australia as yet as far as I'm aware, but it's only a matter of time. And, and, and certainly insurance is something that, that, that is evolving and, and is a way for tech companies to monetize. Uh, I look outside the payroll industry a product called ex, uh, Expense Check, and, and they're really leveraging insurance. And, and I, I know the guys at Employment Hero and, and Flair are using financial services to the employee to, to create a win-win-win where the employer wins because they don't have to pay so much money for the software, the employee wins because they get discounts and better deals, and then the, the vendor wins because they make money out of the whole process. So it, it's sure. just really interesting how this whole tech um, cloud and then alternate monetization is really starting to play out in the payroll space. And do you think that that will go up to the the, the big you know the top end of town eventually, or are large companies you know large listed uh, you know ASX sort of one hundred companies? At the, how, how's that going to work for them? Do you think in terms of they've obviously got more governance and yeah. aversion to risk? I mean, how, how's that going to play? I'll out? just take longer, Trace. Um, at the end of the day, yeah. the consumer, as I keep coming back to is the employee, and people are people are people. Whether the person's working for a business with 100 staff or they're working for a business with 100,000 staff, they are still a human being who has a certain expectation around their payslip and about the experience they have in onboarding and around the experience they have as a human being in their working life. And so I think what's going to happen in the long run is there is a chance that there's a real desegregation of the market. You won't end up with small business products, medium business products, corporate products as, as we very clearly have at the moment. I think there's going to be a real desegregation and you'll find ASX listed 100 companies will be using products like KeyPay which are free with QuickBooks Online at the moment, you know, so you get two very different ends of the market. But the the function of payroll to, you know, some of those ASX 100 companies, and I've actually sold payroll to some of them in the past, their payroll function is no more complicated. Yes, you have governance and you have security concerns, but hey, so does every other business out there, and, and, and there are ways to mitigate those risks there's encryption and there's all things and, and as long as the, the partner that you partner with is conscious of that and constantly working on that, um, then, then, then it's okay. The, 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 the worry I have is the, the issues that we saw recently with PageUp scaring corporates from continue to cloudify because they're the exceptions. You know, yeah, okay, there was Equifax in the US, um, they had issues. but. These are the exceptions and, and they tend to basically scare people. And, and yes, we've now got some new legislation in Australia came in the 22nd of February around data breach notifications and we've got um, laws in Europe and, and these sorts of things. But uh, the, the reality is, here's an analogy for you. People die in car crashes and yet people still continue to use cars because the net sum gain of using a car far outweighs in the, the risk of me being killed every time I hop in a car. And, sure, and so right. the net sum gain of mobile and cloud technologies is so much more outweighing the, the risks of data breach, I believe, that ultimately um, 
it's the only way to go. And, and it's the expectation of the millennial workforce that why are you sending me PDFs or paper-based onboarding forms? Why can't I just download an app, give you my details, and, and, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm set up? In fact, better than that, I already have all my details set up in XYZ, Facebook or whatever. Why can't you just pull my name, my address, my date of birth, my next of kin, my bank details from this you know, this, this, this portable record that I have of who I am. Why, why do I need to go and data enter or handwrite any of that stuff? And, and, and really, businesses need to do what they can to satisfy that, that millennial expectation because they are the, the, the workforce of today and they are the, the managers of tomorrow. And, and so... Yeah, I think that Gen X people like me need to get over oh, it. Is that what Tracy. you're saying? <laughs> Hang on, with the you're, program, you're, Tracy. you're a podcaster, so you, you, you're already catching up, right? So, um, <laughs> that's, right. that's right. And my and my son did give me my 12 year old son gave me some great advice the other day when I couldn't figure out how to do something in Excel. Or something. He went, Just yeah. YouTube it, yeah. Mum. There is actually a website. Uh, just effing Google it, and basically, if you go there, um, <laughs> you can type in what you're searching, and it will create like a little mini video type thing of going to YouTube and Googling what the person's asking. It's really good for uh, help desk yeah. staff. Uh, how do I do this in Microsoft Word? Just Google it, um, et cetera. Yeah, yeah anyway. it's, it's efficient. So, Matt, just changing tack a bit, you know, we hear a lot about artificial intelligence these, you know, these days. We actually had a speaker at one of our conferences a couple of years ago talking about um, how artificial intelligence or AI works. And to be honest, it might have freaked a few people out at the time. Um, but, but how, you know, do you think um, AI and machine learning have got a place in the pay office either now or in the future? Oh, a thousand percent. Um, I'm probably... Um, someone who believes AI can do far more than the average person thinks AI will be capable of. Um, I don't know if you've got Netflix and seen the, the movie AlphaGo, um, but effectively AlphaGo was uh, a documentary about some guys who um, wrote artificial intelligence engine and they thought, well, what's the most human of activities? And, and this board game called Go is thought to be the most um, purest of human thinking in the way it's very tactical, it's, it's, it's very strategic and, and only a human could ever really master to go. Well, these guys actually wrote an AI engine that um, beat the world's best in go and they wrote it in a matter of months. Wow. Um, something that happened earlier this year, 2018, is you might remember way back when uh, Big Blue, it was called, it was a computer program that was designed to beat humans at chess. And, and about 20 years ago, it took 20 years for them to build Big Blue, and Big Blue beat Kasparov, who was the world's mm -hmm. best at chess. Yeah. Well, earlier this year, it took an AI engine three weeks to learn how to beat Big Blue. Oh, wow. So what I do is, 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 is you combine things that, like that that are happening with the fact that, guess who the Australian of the Year is this year? The Australian of the Year is a lady at University of New South Wales who is working on quantum computing. Now, without trying to boggle your mind about what quantum computing is, is computers fundamentally are built on one of two states. It's either a zero or a one. And there can only be one of two states. And yeah. everything that happens in a computer is the sum total of a zero or a one. At quantum level, something can be something 
simultaneously. It can be multiple things simultaneously. And so you're no longer restricted by a zero or a one. You have an exponential multiplier on computer processing power. And so uh, there's an old thing called Moore's Law where basically computing power effectively doubles every couple of years. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, as soon as we hit quantum computing, computing power is going to go up by a factor of a million. Crimes. <laughs> a million. Wow. So, so we're seeing things doubling, but now basically there's this exponential capability with quantum computing that's happening in parallel to people working out how to build AI engines. Yeah, right. right? So you overlay AI with uh, quantum computing, and you end up with basically, it doesn't take three weeks for the AI engine to beat Big Blue. It takes a third of one fraction of a second. And it's worked out how to beat yeah. Big Blue because what it's done, it's computed every possibility of the chessboard in that fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a second. And it's worked out every possible combination and then it's worked out which ones are most likely to work. And, and so yeah. bringing this, this, this mind-boggling thing that's upon us down into the payroll, well, payroll officers are making decisions every day about what they need to do in order to process the pay. And, and those decisions through... Um, technology are becoming easier because we're pushing um, the approval process back to managers and managers are proving something before it comes to the payroll officer. The payroll officer is no longer shifting paper and manually data entering paper. They're, mm -hmm. they're seeing an approved timesheet or an approved uh, leave request come through and they're just validating that against um, what they know to be true. Well, at what point does that process become automated? There's a certain thinking process that a payroll officer goes through, which is ultimately, if this, then that, and if that, then this. And then ultimately, why couldn't a machine do that? And, and, and ultimately, it's not going to be a human who sits down and teaches it that by programming if this, then that. It just has to have a look at the database that sits under, you know, I, I see this week, um, congratulations to them, but KeyPay announced 200,000 um, employees on the platform. That's on a unified mm -hmm. platform, 200,000 people getting paid. That's a lot of data they can analyse to work out how people get paid and the decisions that get made by the pay officer on the way through. Uh, you, you take it to, you know, MYOB across their stack of, um, you know, I think they've got nine payroll code bases in MYOB these days. They have well over a million yeah. customers on their platforms. You, you look at the bigger players like your SAPs who, who really dominate the, the enterprise level. The amount of employees and, and decisions that are being made on their platform every day that are being recorded in a database that can then be exposed to an AI engine to actually work out probability-wise what is the decision to be made. So. I'm thinking that the first stage is that the machine will start to suggest this is what we think the answer is and you just validate it. And, and we've already seen that for those who also you know, operate in the accounting space, um, the likes of Intuit with QuickBooks and, and Xero, particularly around their, 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 their banking transactions, are making decisions on where that should be coded already. But a human still comes in and validates, yeah, that, that's right. But invariably, people are finding that they're just hitting sure. the tick box every time. And so they're starting to go, well, why do I need a ticket? I know it's right. Why can't you just send it into the system? And so you're starting to see people being left out of that process. I think 
payroll will follow that, that same process. There will be AI brought in around the decision making that needs to be made in the processing of pay. I think we're largely seeing data entry eliminated already. Um, although, as I said, it's happening at different speeds. But Sure. I mean, it's certainly possible. It's whether companies have actually... Um, de, you know, decided to bring it bring it on board. We, we've been talking to sort of payroll professionals for many years now about really thinking about moving from the functional uh, operation of of, of payroll yeah. through, through to the vital. You know, how how can payroll be absolutely vital to um, your business or your employer? And you know, the value that you bring as a, a payroll professional is oh, not no, key. In time and, and, and look, I don't want to scare people; they're going to lose their jobs because effectively, what has happened through history. As humans have invented machines and other things, we've always found new jobs. And there was a stat out only recently that, you know, I've got, I've got a daughter in year one. Well, the, the probability is the job she's going to have doesn't exist yet. You know what I mean? The, 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 the fast, right. high probability is the job she will have as an adult does not even exist yet. And that's mind-boggling. Things are just happening faster. But the reality is... Humans will continue to be employed. Like we, we've had enormous strides in automation and technology over the last few years, and yet I look at the world's unemployment rate. You look at Australia's unemployment rate. You look at the US unemployment rate. I, when I was at university, I was told in Economics 101 that, that pure employment was around 5% unemployment because there's always people in between jobs and looking for jobs and taking breaks from jobs. You know, we've been at the 5% mark, and in the US they've been below the 5% mark for years now. It's not like there's a there's an absence of jobs out there. So you're right, and then and, and I, I look sure. back fondly at your book, Trace, was it Profiting from Payroll? or, or um, and, and, and that's really exactly it. it, it it's, it's, if your job involves mundane manual data entry, you can expect that part of your job to be eliminated sooner rather than later. Yeah, well, it's like that, you know, when the when the motor vehicle replaced the horse and cart, right? I mean, were, the blacksmiths didn't do so good because they weren't shoeing horses anymore, but all of a sudden this job called mechanic happened. So, um, you know, I totally, totally agree I, with you. It's I just... read something the other day, and I don't know whether it's true, but it, 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 it sounds funny if it is, but there's only been in the last 100 years one one job completely eliminated by automation. And that job is the uh, elevator lift operator, apparently. Okay, yeah. Ladies' lingerie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that guy. Uh, yeah, so basically it, it, roles evolve and, and yeah. payroll has, it, it, it's such a critical role. And I think similar to what's happening with the tech, uh, I have a suspicion that payroll and HR as a function, uh, look, don't get me started on HR. HR basically, in my opinion, I'm going to say it, has focused too much on people and culture and left compliance up to the payroll department. Sure. Um, I grew up thinking that you know HR as a function was a compliance role and you had things to do. As an industry, it's come out and it's basically decided that now it's not called HR anymore, it's called people and culture. And at the RE event, the, the, the industry event last year, there was not one session on compliance. And that sort of... I, I, I just have a real issue with where HR is headed, and I won't go. That's not what this podcast is about. But <laughs> no, no, I, I I agree though. You know, um, it's it is it is something that particularly where payroll sits under HR. Um, that I always say that there's not enough HR professionals who understand payroll compliance. Yeah, and 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 not they don't want to is is my point is because they're focused on building the culture. I, as someone who's been an executive, the the role of culture for me 
is top down. It's the board, it's the CEO, it's management. It's everybody in the organisation has a role towards culture. It's not something you can just set up a department and say, hey, we've got a culture department. We're going to basically now have a great culture in our business. You have to have basically it being driven by the right, right executives and the right managers and the right staff to embrace culture. Uh, but anyway, it's, yeah, right. I'm getting sidetracked. No, no, I, I agree. We could do a whole other podcast on that one. Now, with the with the, uh, I'm a bit worried about blowing our listeners' brains a little bit. Would I ask you about this next topic? But talk to me about blockchain. I know you've been talking about blockchain for some years now, but has that got any application in the payroll industry? Uh, oh, to be honest. Um, I'm not sold on blockchain to the level of the hype. Um, the world has gone through various phases of computing. If we go back to the 60s and 70s, we had mainframes, which was effectively centralised computing. You had these big rooms full of computers. And through the 80s and 90s, we went to disseminated computing where we had these PCs and we had PC networks and these sorts of things. And then through the noughties and into the, the current day, We've evolved back to centralised computing where, where there's benefit in having data in a centralised place and processing power in a centralised place. What blockchain does technically is it decentralises the database and it replicates it across each of the different computers that are connected to it. So you end up with these massive, massive amounts of data on every node that is connected to the network. So I have a fundamental issue with the technology, but I have people smarter than me telling me that that problem's going to get solved at some point. Yeah, I, mean, I, haven't, I, I can't get my head around it either, but I just oh, thought you might have a, a well, look, <laughs> few... It's interesting. Might... I saw a startup out of Singapore the other day called PeopleWave, and they're using blockchain to create this... Um, portable employee record where when you go from employer to employer or, or interview to interview, your actual employee record is made available. Now I've seen the, the, the blowback, particularly on social media, about the Australian health record and the portable health record mm -hmm. in Australia. I, I don't know how successful people wave are going to be, but it's an interesting application of the blockchain because what it's doing is it, it doesn't matter which employer or whatever, this, this data is put into a immutable database that can't be changed and effectively that data is then at the employee's discretion made available to other people. Now I do... Yeah, and I suppose... I, I, I do see application for blockchain potentially in this idea of a portable employee record. But I don't see it extending into employee performance reviews and these things like the people wave guys have done. I, I, it's just a, I can't get my head around why uh, Telstra would be happy with their performance reviews to be taken and moved to, um, you know, uh, NBN Co. If one of their employees moved, or, or, or a different organisation, if that makes sense. So. But, but I do see application from the employee point of view where every time I change jobs, I shouldn't have to tell the employer, um, this is all my details. I should be able to have a central record that says, okay, here's my details by sending a link or setting an unlock code and those details flow through. So I think there will be blockchain potentially from the employee record point of view. I think there will be blockchain potentially around timesheet collection and, and validation of data points. But uh, to be honest, uh, I still see blockchain as a bit of a solution looking for a problem. Um, and yeah, I, right. don't, <laughs> exactly. yeah, I don't actually I'm see how much it fits in payroll unless the government was to actually start to think how they could use it. But then 
they're probably more likely to centralise than decentralise, which is uh, the whole premise of blockchain. So, look, to be honest, Trace, I, I don't have an answer for you. Okay. Um, that's okay. We no, don't need to have all that. I mean, I just think this is all about conversations, not, not answers. So that's interesting. Now, you, you're also very close to a topic that I think is often underestimated or actually not considered at all in, in, in the payroll sense on an ongoing basis, and that's the issue of keeping track of visa statuses and, chain, uh, and, and the challenge of potentially automating that. I've got a client in the hospitality business where 60% of their workforce is on some sort of working or student working visa, and um, it's it's a massive problem for them um, to keep track of who's on a visa, what sort of visa it is, when they expire, and you know there's some pretty big fines for employers that are caught playing, uh, caught employing staff with with expired visas. So, what's the best way to, for employers to keep on top of this? Oh, well, Trace, you've got me onto a topic, and, 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 and I'll come back specifically to Vshore in the moment, which is the solution to the problem you're discussing. But there's reasons why I got into Vshore, which goes back to me looking at the future of where payroll and compliance is heading. And particularly when, you know, single-touch payroll, which is now a reality, was being talked about a number of years ago, and what, what the future held. Um, and and let, let's take the visa situation specifically. Um, the Department of Immigration, which then became Department of Immigration and Border Force and then became now Department of Home Affairs, has had legislation since 2013 that has required employers to check and keep checking their employee visa status throughout the cycle of employment. Now, most companies do okay at doing the check up front and they might record a, an expiry date in their payroll or HR system as to when that visa expires. But the, the truest sense of the legislation, that's not good enough because visa statuses change. I might be on a working holiday visa where I'm allowed to work 40 hours a week and I go and get a student visa where I'm allowed to work 40 hours a fortnight. I'm not necessarily going to tell my employer that. Um, so it's the employer who has the obligation since 2013 to actually um, go and check and find that information out. But the, the point I'm getting to here is what, what the problem with the legislation is it was a toothless tiger. The, the, the Department of Home Affairs had no way of enforcing that other than to send a border force officer out and do an audit of your individual payroll and, and, and workforce, which in itself is a complicated process to then cross-match that to, to the Department of Home Affairs databases to see who's who in the zoo and, and actually really understand whether any of your workers were legal or illegal or not. But what single-touch payroll has done it's automated the audit process. And so what you've got is now, a, a, with single touch payroll, the ATO has also come out and specified that they have a data sharing program. And the data sharing program will share the single touch payroll data with other government departments. And they've used three examples on how they're going to do that data sharing. Number one, they're going to share it with Centrelink. So Centrelink can cross match what someone's being paid via Centrelink versus what they might be getting paid out there in the workforce. Um, and that's, that's something they've never had before because ultimately it's been self-reporting until your payment summaries after the fact at the end of financial year. Then you've got um, child payments through Department of Human Services. They can now validate that the child payments are relative to the employee's pay. And then the third one, which is the relevant one to this topic, which is the Department of Home Affairs has never really had a way to audit who's actually, actually working. And with single-touch payroll, they now get the data feed from the ATO. These are all the people who got paid last week in Australia. They then cross-match that because since December 2017, the, the uh, Home Affairs has required the tax file number with each work visa. 
and so they just do a quick cross match of these work visas are allowed to work, uh, these people aren't allowed to work, and booyah, they've got automated compliance. And so mm -hmm. this was something I was looking at two to three years ago, going, well, the future of enforcement and, 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 and audit is going to be automated. I, I heard a stat the other day, and it's a crazy stat, and I hope it's true, is that the Commissioner for Taxation in Australia said Australia now has more API. So API is the ability for um, systems to connect to the ATO, whether it be business systems or other government departments to connect to the ATO. They said not only does the ATO have more APIs than any other equivalent agency in the world, the Australian Taxation Office actually has more APIs than the sum total of every other equivalent agency in the world. Right? So that we have a very, very digital savvy ATO and, and, and that's feeding out. We, we have a whole department called um, the, what is it, the Digital Transformation Office or whatever it's called, the DTO. Mm -hmm. And yeah. effectively we are racing towards this state where in, in relevance to payroll, the payroll function is effectively being audited in real time by not only the ATO but the other government departments that are reliant on that information. And so we're not going to end up with a, a situation where people aren't getting paid their super anymore because they, we've had SuperStream, but we now can cross-match SuperStream to the actual pay data. And that's the thing. It's actually the date stand. It's, it's actually the ATO getting this period by period. You know, and, and processes in the pay office have to be really um, tightened as well. The, the one that um, I think is, is probably most loose is the getting a tax file number within 28 days of employment. Um, now yes. the tax office will know that it's 28 days and there's still not a tax file number, so you can't just go then and um, you know redo the tax. I was at a client the other day that got a letter, and this is this is shows you where it's all going. This is already happening in the market. They got a letter that when they set up a new employee, that they forgot to tick the box that this is a working holiday visa. So the, the, they were actually notified by either Home Affairs or the ATO that you forgot to basically mark this person for the working holiday visa tax status. Wow. So that already shows that the ATO and the Home Affairs are working together and sharing this data. So when it comes back to your original question here was Vshore, which is a startup that I'm involved in. The reason I got involved with Vshore is because I see compliance moving from these point-in-time checks, which has been a historical thing, particularly on pre-employment around police checks and security license checks, depending on the industry, etc., working with children checks. We're moving towards a point where the obligation is going to be on perpetual checking or, or real-time checking. And, and you can't just set an expiry date in your HR system and check the visa in, in six months' time or 12 months' time because things can change. And mm. under the legislation, the employer is actually liable if that employee is working in breach of their, their visa conditions. And we're seeing lots of stuff in the media, particularly around foreign workers and these things, you know, I think it's a, a, a populist sort of um, anti-immigrant thing that's taken over the world in the last few years, unfortunately, with you know, the likes of Trump and Brexit and these sorts of things. And, and we've seen the ending of the 457 scheme. And so I, I sort of foresaw what was coming, and, and, and I was lucky enough to be introduced to a guy called Mark Webster, who, who funny story, he literally wrote the Migration Handbook um, for Australia many years ago. Um, <laughs> but he, he saw the change in legislation in 2013 and actually developed an app that, that effectively automated the ongoing Vivo checks. 
And when I saw what Mark had built, I'm like, this is exactly where I see the future of compliance. This is what people need. They don't want to have to sit there and manually key into the Vivo website 150, 200, 500 foreign worker visas every month to check if they're still valid. This should just be what a computer does. This is where robots come in. This is this is what should sure. be happening with computers and automation. And Mark had already done it. And then I was lucky enough to sort of be introduced to Mark. And then we've been working together the last couple of years. And, and look, Vshore just does one thing and one thing really well. We automate that compliance around foreign workers, which is is a growing need, as I said, particularly because of single touch payroll. But in the bigger picture, the futurist. This is going to extend into the security industry with security guards and, and security licenses. It's going to extend into the trucking industry with car licenses and, and these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. There's going to be this perpetual audit that's going to now be possible with government departments. And effectively, it's going to be on the employers to find ways to keep up with that. And technology is the only way that that's going to be possible. It's, it's not practical to just throw people at the problem. It's sure. not efficient. Yeah, and I, I know that you know you've shown me this um, this technology, and I was I was very impressed. So I think you know any anyone who's listening who ha does have really any visa holders on their payroll should definitely have a chat with uh, with Vshore. Um, Matt, it's been amazing talking to you. It's always fun talking to you. Um, you always open my mind to what is possible from a technology point of view and in, in, in our industry. Tell me how. Uh, you're providing business consulting through your business value adder now. How do people get in touch with you or find you on social media if they want to have a chat about all any of the topics that we've talked about today or need some help with uh, with their payroll and, and, and work, workforce uh, software? Oh, look, I'm, I'm a bit of a social media person. I, I, I'm particularly on Twitter, at Matt Paff, which is M-A-T-T-P-A-F-F for Fred. Um, otherwise, uh, my website is Value Adders, uh, which is, as it sounds like the... We'll put we'll put those um, all yeah. those things actually in the show notes. So, um, so got, I have two companies. Vshore is the, the the startup around foreign worker visa management, and then Value Adders is a independent consultancy around vendor selection and these sorts of things. So if people were at a point where they're frustrated with their existing systems, weren't sure what to do next, um, what we do is we come in and we provide a holistic view of technology and where the particular component that's frustrating you fits into that and then we, we can help people make the right selection and just really shortcut and, and de-stress the process around vendor selection. So that's that's what Value Adders is all about. So if anyone's interested in that, okay, uh, yeah, check out the notes and, and please reach out. Yeah, there, there are very, very few people I can think of, if anyone who knows more about, um, you know, the technology in our industry than you. So I, I do encourage uh, anyone who does have any problems around technology to get in touch. Thank you again so much. It's been um, it's been great, and I uh, look forward to seeing you again in person Thanks, very soon. Really, really happy to be here, and um, yeah, yeah, good luck with the the, the podcast going forward. Thanks so much.